Professor Adam Pendlebury. No, no, just Mister Mister oh. Adam Pendlebury. Yeah. Are you Are you working towards tenure? Yeah, by publication, I've uh, decided to do the PhD by publication at Edge Hill. Wow! And how long will that take? Or is that a stupid question? Uh, well, I've got I've got six publications with a similar theme, so I've just got to write a kind of a theoretical piece, pulling them all together, uh, submit it, and then get an external examiner appointed to defend the thesis or de- defend the articles, really. Because my, my interest is in kind of the regulation of sports field violence. Which is so, fascinating uh, because I know I did study for a GDL, for a graduate law diploma. I didn't right, do fantastically, okay. but I do know that in the course of competition... There are precedents that say if you go in for a sliding tackle, you can't be prosecuted unless you have the mens rea and the actus rea, in which case it's a crime. Is that right? What it boils down to ultimately is consent uh, yes. and, and what, you, what you are capable of consenting to. And, and, and traditionally, the, the courts haven't really touched and ruled on that. But about 10 years ago, they, they basically said that even contacts outside the rules of the game can be consented to. And they called it like the playing culture of the game, so it doesn't give it. It doesn't give sport an exception, uh, sorry, an exemption, but it gives them an exception, if you like, in certain circumstances. Because otherwise, nobody would ever play sport, would they? <laughs> Risk of criminal conviction for every late tackle that was committed that caused injury. Yeah, you just wouldn't play the sport. No, but that is why I think fans being absent from a workplace means that that psychological edge of, yeah, it's all right, you're getting paid anyway, and you might be playing for a contract. But to have, I don't know how many at the DW now, um, is it 20,000 capacity? Well, it holds holds 25, but, I mean, we we struggle. um, You know, when we were in the championship, we were probably getting about 12, 13, League One probably going to drop. I think there'll be a lot because of the... Obviously, the administration that we've had, you know, club nearly going out of business, and obviously the pandemic. I think maybe the first few games back, we should get some decent crowds. But obviously, that 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 will depend on how the team is doing. I guess whether those fans will stick around because they can be very fickle, can't they? The, the football fan. Yeah. <laughs> in my neck of the woods, there were a load of kids celebrating uh, by the pond in Watford because of the promotion. But these are the same fans that six months ago said, oh, if itch is out of his depth, what's Gino Pozzo doing? Always trust the Pozzos. They know what they're doing. Um, And yet, I'm sure if um, DW had sold a couple of years before, maybe the Pozzos would have come in and bought Wigan. It's very similar to town, like Watford. It is, from my recollection of going through Wigan, one massive high street and lots of little industries... Yeah, that's pretty pretty much it. Yeah, um, pretty good sized town, really. In the end, you know, the, the, it's disappointing for Wigan is that the, there isn't a big football league history. You know, 30, 30 odd years is relatively young, and the problem is that for years the football people of Wigan supported Liverpool and Man United. So we've got the football fans in Wigan. We just don't have enough of them who support Wigan unfortunately yeah. I don't know whether, with Watford I think it I think they've, got, they, they've had a longer history haven't they you know they, they, they were top flight and doing very well in the well, 80s weren't they well I suppose at the time that Wigan were 
promoted to the third division 1982 Watford have been promoted to the top division for the first time so we're not that far ahead and you've got Dave Whelan we've got Reg Dwight we have very similar histories in that it took a huge cash injection from a fanatic to um to parade Watford up although I think your managers are probably more stylish than our managers say what you like about Graham Taylor um he probably couldn't get away with wearing the stuff that Roberto Martinez uh, would wear. So I, I should congratulate you because it's 20 years since you got your bachelor's from UCLAN. Is that where is uh, Central Lancashire Uni? Yeah, University Central Lancashire, Preston. Preston, of course. Did you go yeah. to the football museum when it was there? I did, yeah. We actually held a conference there in 2005 on sports law. So we, we had the tour of the museum. We took our penalty kicks uh, <laughs> and then uh, we had a dinner in there as well. Well, obviously it's moved now to Manchester, hasn't it? Oh, yeah, the National Football Museum in Manchester is phenomenal. And it's just a yeah. shame because Preston was the place where money first impacted football all those years ago. You're not the first um, academic that I've spoken to. I've spoken to both Stuart Carrington, who runs the Refereeing Masters programme, and Kieran Maguire, who's never off the radio. Do you listen to the price Kieran, of football? Kieran Maguire, yeah, he, he, he made a couple of appearances on our podcast during the administration, and I kind of, I've always known of him, but I've got to know him quite a lot better over the last 12 months, and I, I do listen to his podcast. I was listening to it earlier, actually, in the car. So. Ah. And I, I sent yeah. Kevin Day, to whom I've also spoken, a big 60th birthday wish. In fact, give me five seconds, I'm just going to grab... I am ticking off Wigan Athletic, the home of Stuart McConey and one of George Orwell's books. But um, Kevin Day has written this book, Who Are You? And he's gone through all the teams. And in between West Ham and Wolves, we've got Wigan. Wigan to unveil statue of Dave Whelan in honour of his 80th birthday, BBC Sport. Everyone on Twitter, will it have a plaster cast on its leg? Dave Whelan, I thought, had passed away, but he's still with us. Yes, he's still with us. Yeah, yeah. He was. He he made some comment just as we went into administration in July. But I mean, he's clearly, you know, he's not. He's not a well man now. But he, you know, he's still got some of his faculty, and he he was shocked. I think when he sold the club, and he thought he'd sold it to someone who was going to take it forward, and but instead he sold it to pretty much crooks from the far east who I don't know what was going on there was something something going on there in the background and the rest is history as they say but yeah I mean he's, he's um, he stepped away from Wigan uh, in terms of day to day stuff in 2015 he gave it to David he, yeah David yeah David um, ran it day by day to day so I, th- I think he realised at that stage I think it shook him up a bit after all the Malky Mackay business and the getting charged with the aggravated breaches of the FA rules, Uh, inappropriate comments that he made at the time. And and, and I think he just, he'd had enough and he just, he just thought, well, I'd rather be in Barbados. And it got too much to him pouring in eight million pounds a year. You know, end of the day, you know, (laughs) that's a lot of money to put in. That's a lot of money. But you're not, we're not talking here, like we're obviously clearly a very rich man. We're not talking Abramovich, are we? Or we're not talking sort of the city money are we we're, we're talking it's small fry isn't it now compared to compared to what the riches of the Premier League yeah. and he couldn't just keep doing that that was his family's legacy he couldn't p- keep putting eight million pounds a year in that's yeah, a lot of sweatshirts I wrote this book um which I'm not here to talk about but 
instead of moving the transfer window around, what you do is you reconstitutionalize English football. You have all the foreign-owned clubs, Watford, Liverpool, Wrexham now, owned by foreigners. And then yeah. I called it the Dave, when I called that the Do What You Like League. And then I realized that if I called the other league Dave Whelan, you legend, and this was 2013, it's a DWYL. So all the English-owned clubs in a league, and at that time, Wigan were gunning for promotion or gunning for the title because um, Wigan were a Premier League team from 2005 until 2013. What was the high point before the FA Cup final? Well, I I think the high point was the first game against Chelsea. when When I started supporting Wigan Athletic back in the... 80s it was a decline we just sold off all our best players in the 80s uh, the likes of sort of uh, David Law Paul Paul Jewell uh, Kevin Langley Paul Cook two recent Wigan managers there and it was a decline uh, culminating in going down to the bottom league and almost going out of the football league so to be 10 years after that uh, to be playing Premier League football kicking off against Chelsea who had just won the title and Mourinho was there in his short sleeve shirt on a beautiful day in in sunny Wigan to see a 25,000 crowd and we actually pushed Chelsea all the way and then a multi-million round Argentinian Crespo curls it in the top top corner in the 93rd minute Wow, this is brilliant. This this is this can't get any better and it did. You know, we did. That first season was unbelievable. We won six games in a row at one point to to be second only to Chelsea. So yeah, that was a high and then we had some great teams on the Steve Bruce the first time that we beat a top four side, which was a, a traditional top four side, mm-hmm. which was under uh, Roberto Martinez. And then when we were the best team in the country in 2012 for the period of three months where we beat Man United, Liverpool, Arsenal and fourth place Newcastle at the time, 4-0 at the DW. So lots of good moments in there. And then the, the, the last day survivals as well, which at the time are worrying. But when you look back on them, they're great if you come out on top. So the, lots of lots of Premier League moments. It wasn't just about the... FA Cup final, you know, yeah. when we eventually got to that, we had some fantastic moments and I treasure those memories and a lot of people won't see that, the younger breed of fans, because it's going to be very difficult to get back there. Yeah, the legacy fans will. I, I try not to let legacy fans become a term. It's, uh, it's already polluted, modern football. Two yeah. points pertaining to that. Dave Whelan's book, which I'm sure you've read. Have, yeah. I think it's called Playing a to time, Win. A while ago. Yeah. Now, a while ago. <laughs> I read it at the very, um, the very beginning of my research for the book because I think I came out in 2012. And he says that Abramovich flew in on his helicopter and touched down. And Whelan said, have a pie. And Abramovich, because he is the target of plenty of assassination attempts, we must presume, didn't touch one. And that coloured... <laughs> Dave Whelan's whole view of Chelsea under Abramovich. Yes, Mourinho's a fab manager. They were a great team to watch. And they were. Um, but then, again, they didn't have Roberto Martinez, who now manages which best team in the world? Of course, yeah, the mighty Belgium. Unbelievable. Yeah, and I think they'll win the Euro. I think they'll win it. Well, they were more, for me, they were, they'd be a more worthy favourite than England, which is just uh, the moment of the joint favourites, England and Belgium. But Bel- Belgium have got world-class players world-class squad throughout you know England have got some very good players but I don't think they're as strong as as Belgium 
for me. So, yeah, I think you might be right there. It's, it's the time that they won something, isn't it, Belgium now? Absolutely. I'm just looking at the player of the year, 2006. He was Dutch, wasn't he, Dezeu? Not Belgian. I mean, yeah, I mean, Dezeu, yeah. Uh, Three like times the... player of the season. Does that mean he's Wigan's greatest ever player? It's relative, isn't it? Because yeah. he, he won two of his he won two of his player of the season awards in in what is now League One. Went to Portsmouth, got them promote, helped them get promoted. Then fell out with the new manager after Redknapp left, and we got him back as captain just before the start of the Premier League season. I'd say he's Wigan's best defender. I mean, if you actually look at who the best player is, you've got to look at it in terms of what they've gone on to do. I guess yeah, since they left Wigan. And you've got to put people like Antonio Valencia in there, captain Manchester United, Leighton Baines um, as a left back, you know, England left back, played a number of, you know, lots and lots of seasons for Everton, you know, consistently a very good player. And then, you know, we had Heskey, you know, you might, you know, a lot of people might laugh at Heskey, he was a poke fun at him, but I, you know, I think he was an absolute top striker. History's going to be very kind. Have you read his book? Uh, yes, yes, we had him actually on. Uh, we had him on the pod, uh, on a pod, a you podcast did. special. You did. He's brilliant. Yeah, really good. That is for for those who don't know, and why would you not know this? Progress with Unity uh, is a podcast. There's also a blogspot site uh, with various articles. It started in 2012, 2013, uh, which was rather an eventful first season. It's still going nine years in. I listened to the We Are Staying Up podcast. Uh, from last week there will be an end of season special by the time this has gone out can you reveal which well we know who the hero of the season is but on the pitch who's the player of the year I I think there's still voting hasn't closed yet but at the moment it's looking like Jamie Jones the goalkeeper is going to win the player of the season award Uh, he's been there all the way through it he's captained the team you know, and as goalkeepers do, they make mistakes. But I'll tell you what, he's pulled off some saves at key moments in, in, in games, particularly in this running. And, and and I suspect as well, he's tried to keep the spirits up because he's one of the old heads, one of the very few old heads that are left, really, and who's sort of with the youngsters who've been there, you know, that we've, that we've promoted up. So I think he's going to win it. Uh, but obviously, Liam Richardson as the manager, oh, fantastic. Uh, it, it, to me, there was the fact that we're even having a poll on whether the FA Cup uh, or this achievement this year was the best in Wigan's history, I think shows the job that he did. I'm kind of leading towards this being our greatest ever achievement because we, we you talk about having your hands tied behind your back. <laughs> and any other thing that you can think of that he, he had to go through this year. Oh, it's astonishing. To, I've got a friend whose dad, whose dad grew up in Wigan, so Ian is a Wigan fan. And he's, um, but I remember just commiserating with him at the end of last season because it was clear that no one on the playing side had done anything wrong. It was just, and I think David Conn's written about this, you've discussed it on the podcast. We don't know why they bought it. We don't know why they went bust. We don't know why they couldn't pay the players' wages. But somehow, thanks to uh, Liam Richardson's management... Wigan will play in the third tier, and you'll go up next year, right? Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty, I'm pretty, I'm, all, I'm always optimistic. You know, I, I mean, last season I said Paul Cook would turn it around at Christmas when we were rock bottom of the league, seven, eight points from safety, because you can see things sometimes. You can see that you, you're nearly there, and I was pretty confident through the season, particularly since January, because I could see, even though we had a couple of 
five nil home defeats, which are never too good to take. But I, I suspected that we were getting there. You could see that the the, the the players were sort of the patterns of play were coming, and you know the coordination was there. So I'm always quite optimistic. But I did say in the podcast the other day, I did I did think that we had a really good chance of going up. Now that doesn't mean to say that. I've got that expectation that anything below that is a failure. Not at all. You know, if we finish mid-table, like my learned friend on the podcast, uh, Barry, said he'd be really happy with an uneventful mid-season yeah. to, uh, finish. I would be happy with that, but I don't think it's going to happen. I actually think that we're in a much better position than the majority of our competitors because we, we're, we're on that even keel. You know, we, we don't have debt. We have... Uh, a number of academy players that if we can get them signed up uh, because that's the that's the big if at the moment but we've got a lot of good raw materials there a few experienced players who were bought into it this season and, and obviously likely and Richardson so I'm hoping that they could they could say and we're in a strong position because there's lots of players out there and they're worried you know they've got bills to pay mortgages to pay you know if you get offered a contract you take you probably take the terms really at the moment so you know I that we're in a strong position and we've got a very good manager uh, we've got a very good academy and there's a lot of positivity around the town as well which I think often mm-hmm. they can go together you know if you, if you feel the atmosphere sometimes when it's not going quite right and you know some of the dark days that, that we've had in the past but when everybody's back in that stadium, hopefully in August, fingers crossed, mm-hmm. there'll be smiles to, on everybody's faces. I hope to get up there because it's it's not too far from Watford up the train. Um, Liam Richardson, from what I researched, seems to be the king of the Northwest. He's played for, is it Blackpool? Black came through at Blackburn. Yeah. Then he was Accrington. He was working with John Coleman at Accrington. Yeah, that's right, yeah. So how's the football like? How does he play? Very nice, yeah. Very pleasant football on the eye. I think, it, to be honest, it, it didn't make any sense. The, the, the Sheridan appointment at the beginning of the season. He was available. Just, yeah, he was available. And, and, I, and I think Richardson looked at it and thought, hold on a minute. You know, I, I have to bring players in. I have to try and incorporate the academy players. I've got to coach them. And I think he, he just looked at it. It's like someone putting too much food on your player and you thought, I can't. This is overfacing me, and I, and I genuinely think that he, he just didn't believe that he could do that job. Now, I think what happened was is Sheridan came and we brought in a few players, but the style of play was poor, and, and I don't think he was really giving confidence to the younger players uh, as much as he could have done. When Sheridan left, Richardson was kind of thrown in there, and I think the January window was a bit easier because we already kind of knew what was going to happen. We had, we had some players that were already there, the young players who'd really, you know, they'd really done a good job in the first half of the season. And I think he looked at it and thought, it's going to be a really tough job, but I want to have a go at it now, you know, because it's not as much about the off-field. I can get down to it, get the coaching, you know, good man management, bringing in Gregory up from the academy because, you know, he's very familiar with the young lads. Uh, Peter Murphy as well, who's the young youth team manager. You know, the three of them together worked really well. Richardson had his experience of working with an excellent manager in Paul Cook for a number of years. Must have learned a thing or two from that and his own coaching experiences. And then with the the Rioc and the Murphy sort of helping out and incorporating those younger players into the team, I think in the end it, it was perfect for us really because of the Paul Cook influence. I think like to play good football. Wigan's academy that was set up 
Pulse Martinez. Martinez said it was a, you know, we needed to invest in an academy, so that's what we did. You know, if, if your academy is playing football, you don't suddenly then want to put them in and completely change the way that you play. So it's pleasant on the eye. Young lads make mistakes, unfortunately, passing it out from the back. You know, you even see it with like, you know, you saw it with John Stones, didn't you? You know, he's a 50 million player making mistakes. But I think in a way that might have helped them not being crowds there. Because sometimes, you know, you can feel as a young player, you can feel the crowd kind of, the traditional crowd of get rid of it, get rid of it upfield. Whereas they've had a chance to grow without having those moans. Yeah, oh, of course. Yeah, that is, I, I hope, you know how fathers are encouraged not to yell at their kids playing football? I think there should be a blanket ban on uh, fans shouting, get rid, because that's not how England are going to win the World Cup. You don't watch um, Belgium and you have get rid, you have passing across the back, give it De Bruyne. Uh, but I'm interested to see how Wigan worked last season. There is a Watford product uh, in your first eleven. Gavin Massey's been there for years now. How's he done yeah he's had a really tough season with his injuries really he got a bad hamstring injury uh, a couple of seasons ago and I think with the hamstring it's always one of those that you always just feel that it could just go again you know and, and, and it's a shame really because he's an excellent excellent player really works hard getting down that wing and you know putting a good shift in as well you know helping the fullback out just started to get back in just in sort of February, March time. And you see, some of the fans are getting on his back, and I say fans in inverted commas here because some what I would class as idiots, really. There was they are idiots. Of, a bit of abuse on, so he had to come off social media. Oh, yes, yeah, yeah. Yeah, which was very, very sad because I had a feeling that he was, he was kind of playing within himself because we needed more experienced players on the pitch. So he was playing a different style. Then he got injured and then everyone was questioning the likes of him and Lee Evans and saying, did he really want to play for this club? They're just sitting there waiting for the next move. And I thought that was very unfair because you, you can maybe question them on the, you know, the, the, the performance. But remember, their morale is going to be hit. You know, they were part of a, a decent side last season. Uh, they were, uh, Evans and Massive, both very good what a class of squad players, but played a lot of games still for us last last season. And because of their injuries, they kind of got left behind in a way. And they must have been looking at it thinking, well, you know, everybody else has gone and we're left with uh, kind of, um, you know, lots of young players and it, you know, it's difficult, you know. But what, what they did do, to be fair to them, is when they did come back in and they were, they, they were close to fitness and they, they both, Evans and Massey, grew into it. Massey in particular was just getting back to his best, I thought. You know, really getting to the byline, putting the crosses in. You know, we had the likes of Will Keenan and uh, Callum Lang in there and, you know, they were they, they were working well together and then it went again. He got a niggle again and it's just it's just a shame really because you just wonder whether he's ever going to be a player again that you can get enough games out of him in a season for him to get that a, a decent contract, I guess. I'd definitely keep him if he wants to stay. You know, I like having a bit of a link to the past and he's one of the few <laughs> that still still kind of links. Mm. You know, he's, he's been at the club now for four years, which in any sort of environment now is a relatively long time, isn't it? And certainly through the upheaval that we've gone through, <laughs> two yeah. change of divisions in that time as well, and he's still here. So he's out of contract like pretty much all the team are. 
So we'll have to see what happens. But I'd like to think he gets offered a contract and I'd like to think he'd buy into it because he's been with Richardson all that time. He's been here as long as Richardson's been here. And it's the same with Lee Evans as well, who's arguably certainly in the top three midfielders in the league, in my view, mm-hmm. um, on his day. So, you know, if we could keep those two, that's a good start. That that will help us attract other players as well, you know, and, and may, maybe help us to sign some of the players that we've currently got. So, yeah, I like Massey. I, I, really, I really do. I think he... And he scored two of our most famous goals ever when we were 1-0 down at Leeds, when Leeds were going for promotion the year they were not successful. 1-0 down, down to 10 men against the Bielsa lead side and we somehow managed to win 2-1 and Massey scored both of the goals on the break. So oh, two man. of our most famous goals were scored by Gavin Massey. So in that sense, he'll always go down in history for, for, for Wigan fans. There, there is another Watford connection for wonderful goals, but we'll get to Ben. Will Keane, hasn't he had two broken legs? Is he kind of 40% of the player that he could have been? It's a tough one because obviously he's come through at United. We had him on loan yeah. um, in 2013 uh, under Owen Coyle. But very bizarre. I mean, he'd not played any football at all. I think you're right. He'd come back from a, his first broken leg. And he came in and he just looked well out of his depth. But he was clearly rusty and he was coming into a, you know, he was coming into a side that under Owen Coyle at the time was 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 struggling. It was really struggling. We had a lot of big name players, quite a lot left from the cup final, but it was just struggling to adjust to life back in the in the championship. It's tough. And he was thrown in there, I think, against Derby and they had a couple of you know, they, they had that like Keogh, I think, was playing and a couple of other sort of big centre halves and he just didn't he just didn't look like a footballer. Um he, he hardly played again in his loan spell. And then I, I noticed, I did follow his career and I noticed he'd moved around quite a bit. He'd been a Ipswich and Hull, I think. Uh, and then I heard in sort of the lead up to the new season that he'd been training with Wigan. I then thought to myself, well, anyone who's training with Wigan at the moment must have a good chance of playing because we had no players. <laughs> you kept saying, like, you know, we, re, we re-signed Gary Roberts, who was out of contract just on a short term because... End of the day, anybody anybody who was there was a potential player. So he came in keen, and again he looked rusty. He hadn't played in a long time, but then he grew into it again. And then, typical for his luck in his career, he, he then got COVID oh. just as he was playing well, and um, that obviously knocked him. And when he came back, he just wasn't as sharp. But Liam Richardson stuck with him, kind of moved him into a you could almost say an advanced midfield, but maybe a number ten position if you were kind of using a, a sexy football sort of position, you know, that kind of link player. But he's just grown so much. In the last sort of 10, 11 games, he's been absolutely phenomenal. He, he, he's, he's a top scorer with 12 goals, which in a very difficult campaign, when he started the season with no fitness, he's had COVID in the season and he scored 12 goals. You know, and, and he's indicating in his, he's kind of indicating in his interviews that he, he'll be around next season. So, Maybe it's just like some players do. They find they find a home somewhere, and they you know they enjoy. Nick Powell is probably a, an ex, an example of that. Another one who was a, obviously came to a crew, but had another you know had a spell at United that didn't work out. Moved around quite a lot, and then spent three years at Wigan, where you know he, he played probably the best football of his career. He seems to be doing okay now at Stoke, but 
you just find find your, your club where it yeah. works for you, and hopefully that's that is it for Will Keane. Because if he gets an uninterrupted season at that level, you know, you, you, if he's scoring that twelve goals in the amount of games he's played, you know, you, if you can get a twenty goal season player, you've got a hell of a chance of getting promotion. You know, irrespective of what's going on around. The, the, the previous two occasions we've been in that league, we had a 20-goal season striker, Will Grigg. So, and we got promoted. We won. We won the title on both occasions. You look at Peterborough this season uh, with uh, Clark Harris. You know, you the goals take you to promotion. You yeah, know, you especially at that play. level, so important to have someone, just a pivotal person up front. You mentioned Will Grigg. Uh, his defining contribution to football. Uh, aside from the chant, which got into the charts, did you buy that record? Will Griggs on fire? I think I downloaded. Yeah, I think I downloaded it. Good. Yeah, I did. Yeah, it was a great five years ago. It was. Yeah, what a summer that, that was. Really, after the the joys of winning the title, and then it went straight into the Euros, and it was just mad. You know, watching all the Northern Ireland fans singing it, and it was yeah. just such a shame he didn't get on. You know, he didn't get on to play. Oh, no, such a shame mm. that he didn't get on. And then, of course, our spirits were soon dampened by uh, England's defeat to Iceland. <laughs> the, rest, <laughs> the rest is history, as they say. It is coming home. Are you ready for another summer of its coming home? Yeah, is it, it, it's coming home or world in motion or whatever else you choose to yep. sing. And, uh... 25 years since uh, Three Lions, 96. Sunderland Till I Die, this was... They captured on film the way that Wigan extracted... Was it two million for Will Grigg? Yeah, it was. I've seen. I've seen the pro. I found it very interesting. One of the better documentaries I actually thought because it was really sort of like just showed what what madness was going on at Sunderland at the time. You know, with uh, with Donald and great telly, it, it, really good telly. Shame yeah, about was, the business. Yeah, exactly. Um, but wow, it's so interesting in the fact that originally they were like kind of saying quarter of a million that's it that's that's what we're going to start off with and you know Wigan just kept saying no clearly because why, why would they say yes to 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 do risery offers like that but eventually I mean there were lots of add-ons in there but you know you're talking around about four million with the ad with all the add-ons oh, uh, now a lot of those probably won't come to fruition but you know, you're still talking two and a half three million for a player that originally they said they were not going to pay any more than 250 and he kept saying it was almost like it was almost like we're having that player no matter what it was almost like you know playing playing this game it's like if you're in a in an auction and this, you, you, one of your competitors is next to you and you're just adamant that you want to buy this thing in the auction it, irrespective of what the cost is you're having it that day because you don't want the other and I think for, for whatever reason I think I, th- I think relations became a bit strained. Uh, they were doing a lot of social media stuff. I don't think our people were very happy about it, and and ultimately it led it led to this sort of like madness of of paying way over the odds for a player. And unfortunately, as well, it's not worked. And that's nothing to say on Will Greg. I mean, what I gather from talking to Sunderland fans is that. He hasn't been used to best effect, really, and I think he's shot his confidence. Um, he's gone back on loan to MK Dons, and he, you know, he's, I think he scored four didn't he, the other week, and he's he's back scoring goals again. I mean, people, there's Wigan fans saying, "Bring him back, bring him home." I don't know me. I don't know whether you go back. I know Milton Keynes had, but he was only on. I think he was only on loan from memory the first time he was doing. He's on loan again, so it's not quite the same as buying somebody back that you've gone and. 
I, I don't know. I, I, I can't see it, but there's, it'd be good for the song, though, wouldn't it, to get that song going again? Yeah, it would it'd be a reissue. It'd be some Wigan fan can TikTok it. That'll get the kids going. Yeah, I mean, I think what, what, we're keen on fire. Does that not work? Yeah, that, this is the same, same scansion. And I would. Exactly. Uh, I'm, I'm working on something about the FA Youth Cup. I think Will Keane played in one of those finals. Certainly Michael Keane did. But he must look at his brother and think, I could have had this career, Everton, England, and it's gone a different way. But he's making a living. I'm sure he'll never be poor. Um, and Wigan, Wigan's a nice place to live. When did you leave Wigan? Well, I'm, still, I'm still in Wigan. Are you still, still, are still there? I'm still in Wigan, yeah. yeah. I, I, work at, I work at Edge Hill in Ormskirk. Um, Although it's not really been my place of work for a, no. while, for a while. Yeah, asterisk. To, yeah, yeah, due, due to the pandemic. But uh, yeah, I think my fuel bill every month has uh, decreased significantly in the last uh, last twelve months. But yeah, I'm still still in the area. I did briefly cross the border into uh, West Horton, which is in Bolton. Which is never never too great, really. Uh, being a Wigan fan living in the Bolton area. So uh, although. Although I still had a Wigan phone number, even though the postcode was Bolton. So I just uh, stuck to my phone number and said I was still from Wigan. That's wicked. <laughs> well, maybe that's the game I should get up for. Because under Ian Everett, Bolton are doing some amazing things. And they've sorted themselves out. Wigan sorted themselves out. Blackpool, again, uh, sorted themselves out. So there's hope in the northwest. Obviously, Sheffield, less so. I, I enjoy going up to the northwest. I go up to Comstall every year, which is near Stockport. Um, All right, yeah. So well, I they could th- be back in the league. They could be back in the league as well. Of course, yeah. Chance of getting promoted, Stockport. Yeah, and of course they've got the best footballer in the country, Phil Foden. Is uh, as we're going to be very tired of hearing. Can you? And, and also because BBC Sport is in Manchester, they're just going to send everyone to Stockport to say this is where Phil Foden is from. Uh, Foden, <laughs> one of those players who has gone. He might be playing in the Champions League final. Uh, in a fortnight's time. But you are, as a, as a fan of Wigan, if you're around the world, you only get to hear what happens with a club like Wigan or Fleetwood or Accrington when they're about to go bust. Did you look at Berry um, about 18 months ago and think, well, this this could be us? Uh, I looked at Berry and thought there's some some serious, Berry and Bolton test, some serious governance issues in football, which I think has played out a lot recently with the Super League. I think the problem was that there was a report done by a very eminent uh, QC, uh, Jonathan Taylor, who did the Berry report, as it was, and just going through sort of all the, if you like, mistakes that had been made at sort of a governance level. But nothing changed. You know, the, the problem that I see with football, and this is why I was worried from afar, because you kind of always think, it's not going to happen to us. But in the back of your mind, you say, why wouldn't it happen to us? Because, you know, all you need are some crazy owners who suddenly decide that they don't want to put any money in anymore. And that's it. You know, and I, how well did we know the owners? I liked, I liked the, um, the English directors who were running it on a day-to-day basis. We met them a few times. They had no problems. I mean, really, that Darren Royal and, and Joe Royal, uh, Jonathan Jackson, who'd been at Wigan for donkey's years and the Wigan supporter I, I didn't mind the way it was being run and the ideas that they had but they very rarely met you know they very rarely had conversations with the ones who were putting the money in and one day they you know they, they, they passed it on to this other guy and then didn't put the money in so yeah so going back to the Berry 
albeit I would say I didn't think it would happen to us. I still wanted things to change because what I said for a long time with football is the fact that everyone talks about the EFL as though it's a governing body, but it's just a league of members who, yes, you need someone to impose the rules, but ultimately the power is in the clubs. You know, they vote that they vote for the rules. You know, and and if you think about it, why would you tighten up? owners and directors test if you were someone like Dave Whelan who was looking to get out because the tougher you make it the harder it's going to be to get out so my view is and I think this is one thing that they'll be looking at in the fan-led review is whether some of the decision making particularly on financial and ownership matters whether it needs to be taken out of the hands of the club the FA don't seem to want to touch it which you think would have been the obvious one but take it, certainly take it out of the club's hands, the leagues, and and an and independent body. But again, you know, the Wigan stuff, uh, local MP Lisa Nandy was trying to push for this to be debated. Nothing was happening until all of a sudden the big six, the Premier League, and then Boris Johnson's getting involved. You know, mm. and, and, and again, that to me, that highlights where people's priorities are. The other priorities, they, they can make a sort of cursory and tokenistic points about clubs like Wigan, Berry, Bolton, Macclesfield. But ultimately, they don't kick into action until there's something relating to the Premier League and they saw it as potentially weakening the Premier League, which is this great product that we have in, in England. And that's when... You know, you're starting hearing from culture secretary, sports ministers, prime minister, leader of the opposition. You know, I didn't see Boris Johnson coming out saying it was an outrage that Wigan might be going bust. No. You know, so, so what my view, my view is, yeah, good that it's coming in finally, but too late. You just wonder why. Far too late. Yeah, absolutely. Far yeah. too late. Well, it's too late when a club's gone. And you know what? Berry, good club, got friends with Berry fans. Felt really, so sorry for them. You know, we, we've survived, you know, and, and the good thing from my perspective is that no matter what rivalries you have with clubs, I was always very careful to think you never know what it might happen to you. And, you know, I felt sad for Bolton, you know, big rivals. We always want to beat them on the pitch. You know, I saw Wigan fans who were basically saying, you know, you know, if they go, they go. I don't care about them. Well, it's very difficult if you're in that position then if other clubs start criticising you and say or basically start saying well we don't care if Wigan go you overspend blah 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 well you're not on very solid ground if you wanted other clubs to fail I don't think any football fan should want another club to fail because ultimately a lot of the time you know they are friends or colleagues you know the, the, the people that we know and people that invest not just money but you invest so much more in football you know you've got Certainly, we've invested time in football this year, <laughs> a lot of time because of our, you know, all the administration stuff. But as we well know, you know, it's a bit of a cliche, but emotionally, we do as well. Mm. You know, some of us <laughs> earn a living looking at sports law. 